I will keep fighting to bring peace to humans and robots. This is Mega Bluster. I'm Stefan, and this is part 13 of our very, very long look at the Mega Man franchise. This time around, Mega Man 4, that's the Roman numeral 4, released in Japan as Rockman World 4 in October 1993, and in the United States in December 1993 for the Nintendo Game Boy. If I may wax historical for a moment, during the height of the British Empire, a principal concern of many soldiers, merchants, and administrators was the transportation of the various ales and spirits necessary to keep colonizing forces in the colonizing business, with all the unpleasantness that that business entailed. The problem of ensuring that quality provisions reached British agents across the world inspired innovation and specifically innovation in the realm of beer, which was more difficult than, say, rum to ship across great distances. Now, alcohol is inherently a preservative, and a liquid higher in alcohol content is better equipped to endure long trips at sea. But there are limits to the amount of alcohol that a beer can hold, especially in an age where the engine of industrialization and scientific breakthroughs had not yet revolutionized commercial brewing. Making a high alcohol content beer that is also drinkable is difficult, uh, in large part because the amount of sugar that needs to be consumed by yeast to create that alcohol is so great that the resulting beverage can turn sickly sweet. So the question arose, how do you make beer that can endure long periods of ocean travel and arrive in a drinkable state during a period when the science of beer production remained woefully undeveloped? Well, the answer, it turned out, was not in the yeast or the barley, but rather in the hops. Hops are also a preservative, and brewers discovered that by heavily hopping their beers during the production process they would not only keep better on a long voyage, but also that they took on a deeper and, and often more bitter flavor by the time they reached, say, India. And so was born the India Pale Ale, usually abbreviated to IPA, one of the great global beer styles, and one that has, in the last decade or so, experienced an enormous surge in popularity at the expense of many other beer styles. Now, I adore a good IPA, and there are many, many good IPAs out there in the world today, uh, far more than there have ever been. But over the last decade, I've grown less enamored with the style as a whole for its sheer ubiquity. A good IPA has become nothing special. Any craft brewery worth their salt today that's trying to appeal to any mainstream Western audience has to have a good IPA in their rotation if they want to stay in business. And when everyone is making IPAs for the masses, that good IPA becomes forgettable. Its quality ceases to matter, it just becomes boring, pedestrian, matched precisely to your expectations. And then when you find an IPA that is doing something different, it hits harder. Mega Man 4 for Game Boy is not a great game. Not really. 
And at its core, it's not trying to do things that are wildly different than its predecessors. But there are details in its presentation, in its structure, and in the way it fleshes out the world that come together to make it a substantial improvement over its three handheld predecessors. It's still roughly in line with what you'd expect from this branch of the series, but it's the first I'd actually recommend to anyone interested in seeing what Mega Man is like on a 160 by 144 pixel screen. Like Mega Man, Dr. Wily's Revenge, and Mega Man 3, that's the Roman numeral 3, before it, Mega Man 4, the Roman numeral 4, was developed by Minakuchi Engineering, presumably with mild oversight from Capcom, which, by 1993, had definitively bigger things to deal with than the fourth entry in a meat-and-potatoes move-and-shoot platformer on the Game Boy. Timing is important to understanding Mega Man 4, because its release occurred during a pivotal year in the Game Boy's life cycle. In 1992, Nintendo had released Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, a game that, apart from just being a really good platformer, also represented a new high watermark for what was possible on Game Boy hardware. Large sprites, beautiful animation, inventive world design, and an exciting new antagonist in Wario effectively destroyed the technical line separating real Mario games on the home console from the spin-off games on handhelds. Less than a year later, Takashi Tezuka's The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening proved that the Game Boy could power an adventure as grand as any on a home system. Those two games radically expanded our view of what was possible on a handheld. And Mega Man 4 was the first Mega Man game to be developed after both had been released. And its expanded scope and increased technical sophistication indicate that Minakuchi had been paying attention to what was happening on the platform. Mega Man 4 begins with the usual Spartan title screen that we've come to expect from these installments, and the impatient player may quickly press start and dive right into the game. Those with less twitchy trigger fingers, however, are treated to an extended introductory cutscene that, despite a lack of narrative text, clearly establishes the shape of the game's overarching narrative. The game's overarching narrative is Dr. Wily is a bad man, he has recycled some robots from previous games, he is destroying the city, and only Mega Man can stop him. Come on, you know what you're getting at this point. Big, beautiful animated character portraits, not unlike those shown in the opening of Link's Awakening, demonstrate that Minakuchi had grown increasingly confident in its abilities. There are NES games, and even some early SNES games, that don't make as big a visual impression on the player as Mega Man 4 does in its opening moments. The cutscene acts as a mission statement. For this offering, Minakuchi was holding nothing back. But even those players with the twitchiest of trigger fingers weren't spared advances in Mega Man's narrative techniques. Rather than dropping the player directly onto the traditional Robot Master Select screen, Mega Man 4 instead takes us on a detour to Dr. Light's lab. 
In addition to providing some simple exposition telling us what we already know if we watched the introduction, Dr. Light introduces the game's new signature feature, the P-Chip system. Now when I say feature, I mean a thing you can say is in the game. And when I say system, I mean it's a store. P-chips are coins and you spend them in a store that Dr. Light runs in exchange for energy tanks. Now the P-chip is hardly an innovation worth celebrating in isolation, especially when viewed through a contemporary lens. But it introduces two wrinkles to Mega Man 4 that make it mildly more interesting than its immediate predecessors. The P-chips create an additional objective to pursue in each stage. And while that rarely pushes the player into a situation where decision-making is challenged or the nature of the game itself is changed, it does at least give the mind something to do while the hands are whittling away at yet another Mega Man adventure. They also provide the player with the ability to make the games substantially easier for themselves, at the cost of time, by introducing the ability to purchase health and energy restorative items from Dr. Light rather than finding them in the field. These are not meaningful innovations in and of themselves, but they are refreshing in the context of a Mega Man game for their very novelty. As I said, Mega Man 4 follows the narrative pattern established by the other games in the Game Boy sub-series. Dr. Wily's back, he has some new old stock robots, uh, Bright Man, Toad Man, Pharaoh Man, Ring Man, Stone Man, Charge Man, Napalm Man, and Crystal Man. Uh, there is a Mega Man killer uh, called Balad, guessing that's pronounced right. It might be Balade. It's B-A-L-L-A-D-E. Maybe it's Blade? Blade. Who inexplicably and unimpactfully has a change of heart at the game's end and prevents Mega Man from being destroyed in the collapse of the Wily battleship. Here and there, we find new challenges that have to be overcome in marginally interesting ways, such as the escape from Dr. Wily's fortress. Occasionally, there are impressive examples of visual flair, such as the, uh, the carousel effect on the new stage select screen, that demonstrate Minakuchi's growing confidence. But for the most part, there's not much new here, uh, not much that would cause us to second-guess any impression that we formed about Mega Man to this point. The combination of a single new mechanic and a refreshed presentation make Mega Man 4 marginally more interesting than some of its predecessors, but make no mistake, under all of this new meat and skin, the bones remain the same. Mega Man 4 is another handheld Mega Man game, which really means it's just another Mega Man game. It's a good one, but saying that a Mega Man game made in 1993 is a good one is like describing the beer I'm going to drink later this evening as a good IPA. There's nothing wrong with it. All things considered, I'd rather have it than not. But as we near the end of this, the first season of Mega Bluster, repetition has become arguably the strongest running theme. To find something interesting to say about Mega Man 4 as an artifact in isolation is perhaps impossible unless I were to commit to rehashing the details of my previous description of Mega Man 3 for the Game Boy as being the equivalent of a later season episode of The Simpsons. And while that exercise in repetition may be thematically on point, you probably don't need to hear it again. To find something interesting to say about Mega Man 4 in the context of the Mega Man series is even harder, because of the 14 games that I will have played by the end of this particular season, one of which wasn't going 
the Mega Man game, but we'll let it slide. Uh, arguably, only the first five were genuinely interesting in attempting to do anything new. And of those, arguably only two of the five could be considered genuinely great games without qualifiers. Mega Man 4, that's the Roman numeral 4, released 10 months after Mega Man 3, that's the Roman numeral 3, and Mega Man 5, that's the Arabic numeral 5, and wow, that number. There is no reason not to play Mega Man 4, but there is also no reason to play it when you get right down. And by its very existence, we get the impression not of something that was continuing to thrive, but of something that was beginning to wind down. Thanks for listening to part 13 of Mega Bluster, our very, very long look at the Mega Man franchise. Music from this episode was sourced from ocremix.org in compliance with that site's content policy. You can find credits and links to the original postings in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. If you didn't, send it to your enemies as a curse. If you have any feedback you'd like to provide, or if I missed something, you can reach out to clay at guilelessgamer.com. This and other social links are also in the show notes. How long will I keep on fighting? How long will my pain last? Maybe only the X-Buster on my hand knows for sure. Thank you.